Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Coming at you almost on Monday. It is not Monday. We had yesterday off, so it is a little bit confusing. A happy President's Day to everybody out there. A beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago as the work week is off and running. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com. Big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. We, of course, are blessed. At times, anyways, by the presence of producer extraordinaire David Olson on the other side of the glass. Ola, we'll play a little bit of music and then get this soon-to-be award-winning show off and running. Weekend here, not a bad weekend for the Chicago sports fan, anyways. Here in our home base of the TalkZone.com, as the Chicago Bulls come up with a victory yesterday, the Blackhawks continue to reverse the swan dive. They turn a nine-game losing streak into a three-game winning streak. They win. Enthusiasm running at least a little bit high as pitchers and catchers reporting at Wrigley Field, not Wrigley Field, but at the Chicago Cubs uh, franchise team. Where are they? In Mesa, Arizona, I believe, right? That is correct, Coach. Beautiful downtown Mesa, Arizona. So pretty good week, Chicago sports-wise. we got lots to talk about. Most of the things we're going to talk about will be done with the voice. You just heard my good partner checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. It's the big dog, Joel Rodwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, doing phenomenal. You know, the Cubs have been at Hohokam Park for as long as I could remember. I mean, they've how never many... been anywhere else since. Since I've been alive, I you're don't think. right about that. So I should know how many is it? Is it ho 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 cam? How many hoes no. in the ho ho cam? No, it's a hokum. Just one ho. It's it's ho hokum, coach. It's not oh, a ho so, cam. So there's two ho. Yeah. <laughs> you got to say it is one word, not three words. It's not ho ho cam part. Well, how do you pronounce it? Ho hokum. Oh, I always thought it was ho ho cam. Yeah, for people that wanted to just really? the Americans of the Southwest. So, the whole <laughs> so it's all combined into one smooth transitional word. I was not aware yeah, of that. Yeah, way back in the day, Mr. Wrigley came. They used to be on Catalina Island, which okay. is a tiny little island out, right outside of Los Angeles. Who could forget? Right back to the there was a massive UFO sighting uh, in 1948 right off of Catalina Island when the Cubs were actually still in... Uh, there and it was supposedly like Andy Pasco and Hank Sauer all saw flying saucers. I'm not making mm-hmm. that stuff up. Um, but they moved to they moved to uh, Mesa, Arizona, and they basically they they brought guns, baseball bats. And that's back when the Cubs used to be able to hit a little bit and the pitchers <laughs> could throw with some control. They drove the whole Holcomb uh, Indians right off of that reservation, and they put their oh. and they put their okay. No, they really didn't do that, but. Yeah, That's kind of I mean, we've we've heard so many discouraging stories about the Indians have been taken advantage of. I thought you were going to throw yet another one out at us, but uh, thankfully you no, were just no, kidding. No, no, the Cubs really didn't go there with baseball okay. bats and drive the Native Americans off their land. Uh, that was, that was just, 
I am well relieved. I can remain a Cubs fan, but as many years as they've been training out in Mesa, Arizona, Big Dog, as many years as I've been a Cubs fan, I have yet to make the spring training trip out there. It's something I'd love to do. Have you ever, in your uh, 39 I, I, illustrious I years? Have. I, I have never have, and, and to be honest with you, it's never been, I've never had like the urge to go out there. You know, it's funny, all these other people, I'm like legitimately, I have oh, hundreds of friends, I'm going to Vegas, come up, and I ain't going with you. It's, I have no idea, I have no inkling to go to Las Vegas. To me, it seems like amateur gamblers and a bunch of people, I don't know, I don't know, just haven't gone coach. So mm-hmm. I have never been to spring training either. All right, but and you haven't had the great desire. See, I don't know if, you know, it's not number one on my bucket list, but it's definitely something I would like to do, particularly when we've had, you know, some brutal winters about mid-February, Mesa, Arizona sounds very, very good. And there's something about the exhibition. I've been to exhibition baseball games, spring training games, and they're very similar. You and me are both fans of the minor league baseball experience, laid back. It's kind of relaxing, good food, good people. You kind of get that same thing at spring training games, kind of a different feeling. Here, here's the issue. Here's, here's the different issue, though. And, and now this is why going to a, a spring training game with the two of us would be would be good. Because when we go to minor league parks, I happen to yell a little bit, don't I, Coach? Yes. And everybody in the stadium can hear what I'm saying. That tends to be true. Well, sometimes I can be funny, but, you know, kind of like a comedian, sometimes I can bomb, too. But sometimes, you know, you can – it's good. Well, the problem is when I'm at minor league parks, I don't know what – I don't have any material for these guys. All I got is, hey, that guy's fat. Tell a couple fat jokes. Oh, hey, you should wear number eight so your picture could be on the back of your jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I got enough fat jokes for baseball players. Yeah. But I, if I actually, hey, Robbins Ramirez, oh, my good, I would love to have three hours of yeah. everybody in the park being able to hear what I have to say about the Chicago Cubs. Actually, once you're uh, drinking a few beverages, probably the less information, the better on your <laughs> behalf as you start heckling. So it's probably a little bit safer at a, at a minor league game. And, Oh, could you bet Soriano? Oh, my goodness. Soriano, yeah, exactly. You get paid $18 yeah. billion dollars a year. Will you please swing at strikes? Yeah, you, you'd be getting too personal. I like it better when you don't know the guys as well. But uh, it's fun, of course, that a spring training game or a minor league baseball game, there's less fans, and you can be heard a little bit more. So uh, I remember the game of you and Frank Beans Barber, one of our co-hosts on the Morning Break Radio Show. That was truly tremendous Fandom, and I'm sure all the members of the Schaumburg Flyers still appreciate your work. I forget what team you were heckling, but you did a heck of a job at that minor league game. That was, the, I forget who, I, I don't know who it was. I think they were, if, I think from Montana, Coach, or North Dakota they were from. Mm-hmm. Either way, but the, there was a poor catcher that uh, <laughs> I was really getting on. Okay, and one time I said something real nasty to him, and he and he, and he smiled at me. <laughs> and uh, the PA director from the, from the Shepherd Flyers had come down and talked to me, and he was like, "Hey, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job making fun of the team, but the guy that you're really right, he doesn't speak a lick of English." <laughs> <laughs> so, he's, I told he, all these great jokes about this guy. He's waving he at you. That yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Nice to have a fan out here. I think if I remember correctly, the team we were watching was the Saint Paul. Saints, minor league team out of the Northern League. I know everybody was anxiously awaiting that info, but I I think that was the ball club we're trying to think of. You know, Coach, we went more than one time, and you're right. The St. Paul Saints were definitely one of the years that mm-hmm. we went. You're, you're right. That was one of the teams. I forget which year. Yep. 
and if it was a Dakota team for the other year. At any rate, let's get out of minor league reminiscing. The important thing, Big Dog, is pitchers and catchers have reported, at least for the Chicago Cubs, the White Sox uh, are going to be gathering the troops in the next couple of days, but uh, all is good, and Dale Swain begins his first stint, I think his first stint ever, as a head coach at any level. That's kind of odd, isn't it, for a major league manager? Uh, first manager? First manager's having me? Well, I, I don't think he's ever... He's been a long time. He was a player, long time assistant coach at the minor league. He's never been the head coach of a pony league team, a college team, a high school. This is his first time being the big honcho. Isn't Thibodeau like that? That's the same way. That's exactly right. Yeah, Thibodeau was always an assistant coach. Yep. Yeah, but he was an assistant coach in the NBA for about. 17 years before he actually got a chance. But so. it's kind of weird when you think of it. These guys, and I want to talk about Tom Thibodeau coming up because I did make my one and probably only appearance at the Chicago Bulls United Center last night. Great game, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. So uh got some comments on that too, Big Dog. But it is interesting that you got coaches at the highest level that have never been a head coach of any team. Now, they've you know many times successful, but it's kind of an odd combo. It's just yeah, you just would never expect that to happen. You would, you would think even if it was at a a lower level, you would like to know how how were you when you were in charge of everything? Yes. You know, how how did things run? I mean, that you're right. It is kind of strange mm-hmm. that you would get to the highest level and have never been in charge of of something at a lower level. Let's hope Dale Swaim has the same success as Tom Thibodeau. Uh, let's throw our phone number out there right off the bat. We talk a little baseball, pitchers and catchers, get the NBA college hoop. will jump off the sports page as well. Got to get to the YouTube video I saw of the big dog making a little, uh, I don't know if it's an acting debut because you've done a little bit of acting before, but I want to talk about that for sure. Double thumbs up, don't you worry. Uh, 888-463-6748, the number, 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight. We can't can't comment on the position players yet, Big Dub, but we do know for the Cub pitchers, uh, they're looking pretty good. And it's Matt Garza, Ryan Dempster, Paul Mahome, Randy Wells, Randy uh, Jeff Samarja, Travis Woods. Who's the kid from the Florida Marlins? They're talking about guys contending for the starting pitching spots. Uh, Chris Volstead. There you go. And, and and Chris Volstead is the least likely to make the staff. And yet he's the most likely on the staff to win the Cy Young this year for the Cubs. Does that make any sense to you, Coach? Uh, actually, a little bit, anyways. I'm not saying he's winning the Cy Young. He's not, but he is the. He could be the best out of everybody on that staff, and most likely he's going to have an ERA over five. In, in Jerry you, Angelo uh, football draft speak, what you're saying he's at the highest ceiling and the lowest bottom. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. To you. Oh my goodness! A couple of years ago, when this guy came up, remember, like the, his first couple games. He almost threw no hitters. I mean, he was like that good coach. And, and then he had like arm trouble and he's never been good since then. So we'll see. Hopefully, I, the Cubs have a lot of depth. What they're hoping is out of the seven, eight guys they have vying for number one or not or to be a starter for their team, maybe there's so much competition it pushes people a little bit harder to mm-hmm. make the rotation. And maybe a couple guys just have lightning in a bottle of years. And, you yeah. know, Ryan Dempster. Could have a 15 and 10, 3.5 ERA season. Matt Garza could go 17 and 9 and have a 3.0 ERA. And all of a sudden, you could win a division if everybody else is decent. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the relief pitching could be really good, coach. It, it, it could be really good. And then we got to figure out if they can catch the ball in the rest of the way. So uh, this team could be a lot better than everybody thinks it is. 
there's not a lot of superstars, but they might have some depth for the first time in a long time. Coach. It's great to be talking a little baseball here. The big dog, very few, and I'll put him up against just about anybody in the uh, city of Chicago or nationwide with their passion, long-time allegiance, passion, knowledge, you name it. He's got it for the Chicago Cubs, the big dog, Joel Rodwanski. Dog, I hope the Ryan Dempster fans... Or Ryan Dempster, if he's listening, or Ryan Dempster's wife, if he's listening, any of the relatives, you never know who might be checking in. Don't take this the wrong way, but I think for the Cubs to be semi-successful this year, I would prefer by two-thirds in the season, Ryan Dempster to be our third or fourth best pitcher. Okay, well, uh, that would be phenomenal because that would mean Travis Woods, Oh my! Man, that would mean that he's he's good because he also has a great upside. He's not going to blow anybody away, coach. But he could be one of those crafty lefties, and that could be really nice. And maybe they have a bunch of guys that win 15 games. They mm-hmm. can have one of those type of rotations where they have a bunch of solid pitchers who have good years, and then you could roll. You know, if you have you know four or five guys yeah. winning you know 14, 15, 16 games, it, it might not be ideal for a playoff series, you're not rolling in there with, you know, Schilling and Johnson and a bunch of nobodies, and you're mm-hmm. 2-0 at the start of a playoff series, but if the Cubs could make it to the playoffs in this division this year with this team if, like I, if, like I said, the competition to get into the rotation drives them to actually have a good starting staff. Mm-hmm. Well, lightning in the bottle was the expression that you used. I was going to say, guys, just have a couple of surprise years. It could happen, but I think that's going to be the biggest key for the Chicago cover. Right? A guy like Ryan Dempster, you know pretty much what you're going to get. He's going to be a solid pitcher. If he's your number two or if he's your most reliable pitcher, that's great for Ryan Dempster. But... Not so good for the Chicago Cubs if you're looking big picture. Some other guys step up. You mentioned Trav. Doesn't have to be Travis Wood. Could be Samarja. It could be uh, uh, Volstadt. Like you said, it could be Paul Mahomes. Maybe Randy Wells. You know, revives himself. I was a big Randy Wells fan for a while until. Uh, uh, by the way, I think Paul Mahalam is is got a. He is going to be a good pitcher. I, I like him. He's going to be. He's going to make the staff, and he's going to have a good year. Only problem is. You look at his last two years. The problem is he can no longer pitch against the Cubs. That that doesn't. Yeah, that, that's probably why I do think he's so awesome. Because every time he yes. comes, he shuts them down. Yeah, you know, a lot of his. Uh, you know, he's been up and down, but has had some good seasons the last couple of years. But ERA and wins, a lot of them <laughs> have come against the Cubs, and now he's pitching for the Cubs. So hopefully, um, hopefully that won't be a bad omen. Well, uh, here's what I got. Here's what we got going for. Ryan Dempster is the veteran of the staff. He's 37, and he's one of the hardest-working people in baseball. This guy has a work ethic unlike anybody. Yes. So, like, no matter what you say about Ryan Dempster, we know he's getting the most out of his ability. Okay, so that's that's cool. He can start showing this work ethic, and maybe people like uh, Paul Mahalam and Travis Wood and Chris Volstead, who have never been around a work ethic like that, they see that, yep, and they can take that next step. I. Don't forget, Volstead, Travis Wood, Mulholland, they're all under 26 years old, Coach. Pitchers don't reach their prime until they're mm-hmm. like 29 to 31. It's a great point. It's a great, great point. And there certainly is a lot of, in fact, I would say almost every Major League Baseball team has a better 1-2 pitching combo than Ryan Dempster and Matt Garza as far as talent. But if you talk, and let's 
you know, throw Matt Garza into the discussion too. Attitude, work ethic, personality, leadership, all those intangibles. Again, there's guys more talented, but those two together are as good as any two combo. And hopefully those, um, you know, off the field positives will pay dividends with our young Cub pitching staff. You know, obviously I'm not comparing this team to the 2005 White Sox, the, the, the ultimate lightning in a bottle team. But if you think about it, it's the only team ever. The White Sox fans, you might take this as like I'm ripping the White Sox or taking offense to them. I am not. Listen to what I'm saying here. They won the World Series with five number two starters, Coach. You know, they didn't have that. They didn't roll out Kurt Schilling or Josh Beckett, you know, or CC Sabathia. It was Mark Burley, John Garland, Jorge Contreras. And it was like every day was just a number two, but they just kept wearing you down. And by the end of the year, you're like, well, they just won 95 games, and they did it without, like, destroying anybody. They just cruised. And then all of a sudden in the, in the playoffs, then all of a sudden all those number twos turned into number ones, and they couldn't I – mean, nobody could touch them when the playoffs mm-hmm. started. So that was – that was just kind of lucky, but there's nothing wrong if they if if they get three really good pitchers behind Garza and and Dempster. All of a sudden, them being number twos and they're at the top of the rotation is not that bad. Yep, we will find out. Uh, I won't say we'll find out soon, but uh, it'll be see. It'll be fun to see how it all unfolds. And again, this is a year completely without pressure for our Chicago Cubs. So that's going to be a hopefully that will play as a plus for them, but. Big deal on the bottom line is it's great to be talking a little baseball the first weekend of pitchers and catchers reporting. It sounds like you are ready to fast forward about six weeks. You're ready for March 30th, April 1st, opening day. Oh, I'm ready for that on so many different levels because that means I'll actually, I'll be working at that point. Oh, and that's also when my, my friends go to Hawaii. So I get the house to myself for two weeks, which is legitimately, it's like pure heaven. I can't even explain how good I love those first two weeks of the year. Uh, but yeah, I, I can wait, Coach. I can. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to fast forward any part of my life. I'm going to enjoy all the okay. spring training. I'm going to enjoy uh, the scouting combine, which starts this week, Coach. Believe it or not, I'm a sick, sick individual. Yes, I'll be watching NFL uh, combine with Cloudy, who was <laughs> turned thirty yesterday. When he gets home tonight, Cloudy, thirty. Mm-hmm. Wow, young man. Went to the, went to the Bulls game with you. And uh, not with you, but he was at the game yesterday. Claudia is a very, very young man. By the way, before we leave the baseball field, your alter ego, which has been featured on our Facebook page. and Is it up on Twitter yet or not? This year, man. Oh, this year, man. Better. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I will contact right. him. We need to find out that. But, uh, and I'm going to try to, you know, it. I, I was going to have it ready for today's show, but I'll try to play it tomorrow. And David, also, we did get a response. From the Chicago Cub administrative staff regarding this year, man. <laughs> and again, I'll play it. I don't know how you describe it, Big Dog. It was like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. I can't believe we love it. It's beautiful, beautiful. But I don't think we'll have any interest in him as an official team mascot. We can't use him with the Cub organization. Was that pretty much the message? <laughs> yeah, that's basically right? how it yeah, but the messenger, out. she was very nice. Couldn't have been nicer. And, again, we didn't talk to her live. It was, this was a voicemail. And I will play it for our fans as soon as I can find it. I got a couple of voicemails on here. I don't want to play the wrong one. It could be embarrassing. But uh, almost <laughs> big deal. This year, man, almost, almost, and we're not done yet, became the official mascot of yours, Chicago Cup. Uh, you know what? I'm having. I'm going out on opening day to, to Comiskey Park, Coach. I'll be – 
Comiskey? Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm going, but I'm going to go there as protection for this year, man. I've talked to him, and he said he's going to Comiskey to the cell with cameraman and with and he's uh, already contacted. See, this year, man, you you don't really. He gets around, coach. He was in good with a, a, a Chicago White Sox ball girl. He's going to have the ball girls out there too. She said wow. she'd have them out. Nice. I'm telling you, this is going to be freaking hysterical. <laughs> All right. Am I uh, invited to uh, partake in that particular group? I, I, I certainly hope so. And I saw him the other day. He was working on material questions he was going to ask people in the park a lot. Uh-huh. And let's just say that I was there. I was in tears. And the other people in the room were like, you're going to get beat up. That's how <laughs> they kept out of you. People are going to attack you eventually. Yeah, so well, you know, in, in the pregame, not too many people have been imbibing. I think you're okay. With your personality, you know, brought into the this year, man, I think you're okay. However, you get a few Sox fans drinking, maybe post-game, after a loss, and you do the same shtick after the game, there could be some issues. I think before the game, you'll probably be okay. Well, just because of lighting, it definitely, hopefully, will be before the game. I'm also bringing, I'm bringing security with me. One of them is six foot three, three hundred and fifteen pounds. And he was the former heavyweight wrestler at West Point, our military academy, and he finished third in the country as a freshman. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody's going to mess with Joe Hogan. Okay, this is yeah. just quite as simple as that. All right. And, I, I, and he said he's going to bring one other person with him, a couple goons. Well, you know, let, let, this is beginning. We were trying to get a uh, you know a listener outing. This is almost sounding like, can we invite any of our uh, two guys in a mic? I know it's a ways off. We're talking uh, the opening game no, for the Chicago White Sox. It's not a ways off, Coach. That's what you keep on. Stuff is not a you got to start well, playing way. I don't have enough time for this. You don't know the production I'm putting into this stuff. I, this is not a ways off. For me, I really <laughs> have to make sure this is tight. I'm already working on material for March 14th, by the way. Yes, that's a whole I, other thing. I, already, I, already, uh, I thought of a couple things that we can do because we're – if everybody, I, I forget the, the this year man appearance, folks. I will have that ready, and I will hope everybody that listens to you guys in the mic will be out there. It's going to be a really good time. But before that, on March 14th, Coach and I are hosting this thing at the playbook. Coach, you got a couple good ideas. You know, we we, we have to come up with like with lists like this. Uh, the funniest, I, I think we're going to have like make fun of LeBron James and all that stuff. We're, this is going to be a good appearance we're going to have on March 14th. At the yeah, it's going to be a full house, full house at the Playbook in Niles because you got the Miami Heat taking on the Chicago Bull, and it's the night before March Madness, so we're going to have a bracket buster tournament going on. So it will be a big crowd. But uh, David Olson, I'm worried, and you'd almost think I don't want to put words in the listeners minds or voices or opinions, but, you know, some people would think I'd be the one that would be over-prepared for one of these performances, and Joel would just be off the cuff, but I'm almost, I'm more of the vent that we go into, yeah, a little bit of a plan, but not too prepared. I'm worried you, Big Dup, the ultimate off-the-cuff spokesmen are going to be over-prepared for a couple of these appearances, and I don't want to say ruin, but hinder the beauty of what the Big Dog is all about. Coach, I've been working on a bunch of stuff. That's what I'm worried about. As a, as a matter of fact, I've worked out because I've noticed that we're going to be funny, and then people will follow you into the bathroom. You got to have material when you're at the urinal. So I've been I've been standing three inches away from the wall, coming up with jokes. See, Dave, I need to producer David Olson. Prop is big dog. It's only Feb twenty, not even twenty, right? What what the heck date is it? Twenty first. And the event is March fourteenth. He's already practicing and scripting. Am I the only one, or are you with me in concern that he's going to be over-prepared? I hate to put you on the spot. Feel free to. 
I don't know how Big Dog works in these situations. Okay. I mean, I hear him going off the cuff every day, and he seems to be fine. Maybe he is taking it a little bit too seriously. Maybe he needs but to it is different. Up. I yes, will tell is. you this. It is a little bit of experience I had in a previous show, Big Dog. Completely different doing a radio show when no one's looking at you than a live appearance when people are looking at you. And I'd be the first to admit, the first couple I did, I would brutal. Because it is totally different when you got people looking at you. I've done a bunch of speeches in front of a lot of people, though, Coach. Yeah, you'll be better. I've no. actually, I actually, I was the MC at the Illinois Football Awards Banquet back in 2007. I had to hand out over 600 awards in one night. Wait a minute. You were the oh. MC for the University of Illinois Football Banquet? No, for the Illinois High School Football Awards. So ah, okay. The MVP of the Western Belt Conference is Jeremiah Frickin' Thankshaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, I had, oh my God, over 600 awards. I had to name all the all-conference players of every single high school football conference in the state of Illinois. <laughs> and they're, and they're, oh my goodness, Coach. I, and, and the player of the year at the Psycho East, you know, it was, it was crazy. So, and yeah. the top defensive lineman in the Southern Suburban Conference, the Southern Prairie Conference from the Corn Jerkers of Tutopolis. Elmo Lewinsky. Did any did any corn jerkers get an award? No corn jerkers. This is not that. Uh. And yeah, I, I made it a point. And drum roll, please. And I'd wait. And people like this get to it this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Four hours of me the, reading off names. It was horrible. The newcomer was, like, three hours into it. Newcomer of the year in the suburban prairie. Get out with it already. <laughs> All right, so you've had a fair experience. If I get the middle of it, I just said, by the way, everybody, this is a lot worse for me than it is for you. People cracked up when I said that. (laughs) All right, so we got Wednesday, March 14th, but this is a new one, and opening day, White Sox game. Uh, I'm hoping to be out there. you got uh, Chicago Joe Hogan's going to be with you, a couple other people. You'll be in the This Year Man outfit, and we'll be out where in the parking lot, right? Yes, parking lot, and uh, and we'll see if I can actually get in. Wouldn't that be funny if I got in? Yeah, you they know what? I don't think. In, so, uh, it won't matter. They won't let the cameras in. So even even if you don't get in, I think parking lot or right near like the main gate will get plenty of material. I think it'd be a lot of fun, and I'll be happy to be hiding behind Chicago Joe the whole time. And uh, just I, mean, I got I got a bunch of different camera tricks. I'm gonna have one of those water bottles that you can squeeze out, and I'll walk up and it'll make it look like I'm peeing on the Minnie Minosa statue. <laughs> 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 Oh, boy. You better bring a couple of security guards with you. <laughs> I mean, people are going to get upset. Oh, goodness. But I was telling my friends what I was going to do. They're like, dude, you really are going to be attacked. <laughs> now, I, really, I really don't care, though, Coach. I can take a beating. And plus, I'd be like, as long as it isn't, like, more than, like, 15 people, I probably yeah. could spend a Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Not to over-promote. David, have you seen uh, Joel's little acting YouTube video? I have, yeah. Did you watch it? A while back, yeah, but I've okay, seen it. Okay, well, I, did he see the same one as I'm talking about, Dodd, the one that was just on? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't really okay. have that This, many, this uh, is the one where Joel is, plays the downtrodden guy that can't get any girls, and he's in love with the drugstore, the girl behind the counter at the drugstore? I don't think Dave's seen that one. All right. And, and I had this. I just touched on it yesterday, but I got it off the Facebook page. And, you know, I got to compliment you again. Again, I don't want to be too self-serving here on the show, but outstanding. I mean, honestly, in all sincerity, you clearly 
have some acting ability, and I know you haven't had a whole lot of training in it, but I thought you were very good. No, I don't have any training. I showed up at a class a couple times, and Mobo Giancana's godson was like, hey, did you ever pay for this? Up your leg broke. Get out of this freaking class. <laughs> I'm not giving you the, 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 the grandson of Sam Giancana was teaching me acting classes, and eventually he found out I didn't pay. Trust me, Coach, I wasn't acting, but I ran my ass out of that room as fast as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. But uh, very good. You, you you have the stage presence, and I was impressed how you uh, put yourself into that role very, very well. It's only, what, about a nine, ten-minute clip? Yeah, it's only like nine or ten minutes. How, if any uh, fans want to check that out, where would they find that at this point? Oh, well, if if you go to my Facebook page, and uh, if you're a listener of the show, just, yeah, I'll front you, and we can do all that stuff. And you can just go and go there. Or you go to Vimeo. And it's called Summer Blonde by Mandy Johnston. Yes. With a T in the middle of Johnston. Mm-hmm. Johnston. So. Okay. Well, you do a heck of a job, and um, there's a few spicy scenes in the film as well. Yeah, there's, yeah it's, it's always good. Mm-hmm. It's always good. It, 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 just, it does crack you up to my girlfriend. It's like, oh, my goodness, you're a loser. If I would have saw that, I would have never dated you. Yeah, but you're kind of a cool loser. I don't know about in that in the in the I don't know if I'm playing a cool loser in the in the mm-hmm. in the I think that's just a loser. But you you portray sad extremely well, not via words, via body language, facial expression, and action. You you uh, pardon the expression, but you nail sad. Well, nothing gets somebody more sad than either death or not being able to find love. Yes, unrequited love. Uh, it's, it's, either, it's either or. Like, if you, somebody dies in your family, that's the worst. Yeah. You know, but it, like, to have that around you all day long, I mm-hmm. can't get anybody to love me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do appreciate that, Coach, because the girl at the counter, the one that I was like, when it was all done, when we do the whole wrap-up and stuff, I started talking to the girl. Okay, she goes to Northwestern. She just got done with Northwestern. She's graduating. And right when we were leaving, she's like, you know, I thought you were a total loser. Do you want to go out? <laughs> <laughs> There was, I have to admit, you know, you hear the famous people, you know, the Brad Pitts and the Angelina Jolies, many of them meet on site, but there was a film chemistry between you and the drugstore girl who apparently is a fine student at Northwestern University. I, I well, felt a certain... No, no. Huh? There was no chemistry. I the felt a... The chemistry was, get away from me. In the film? Yeah. No. That was that was not portrayed. I I got the impression. I don't want to be, uh, you know, Richard Roper, Roger Ebert here, Mr. Film Critic, but I got the impression that she was waiting, waiting for the loser that was being portrayed by Big Dog Joe Radwans- Rad- Radwanski to strike up a little conversation. But I and, couldn't do it. Yes, but the, but it, I, I didn't get the impression. If it was, I'm completely off that she no, was no, not interested. Were, that, that's exactly what it was, Coach. You're, you're good. She's a much better actress than I am. Yes. Well, no. I think you were playing the roles that you were assigned via the uh, whoever wrote the play, Summer Blonde by Mandy. Johnson. Was it Mandy Patinkin? Yeah, and she's trying to get it sold. <laughs> she's trying to get this like for do like people like to produce it and like uh, but everybody's trying to do that. You every mm-hmm. time you do a summer like a short like that mm-hmm. that's based on something longer, you're trying to get the movie made for that. So. All right. Well, at any rate, I, I thought you did a heck of a job. we got a couple of promotions coming up. We'll talk about that. And uh, you can always check it out on our twoguysmike.com page, the big dog and the coach, with you right up until 11 o'clock. Lots of sports to talk about over the weekend, big dog, including 
uh, our Chicago Bull, nice victory yesterday. They had a horrible game. What on Friday was it? Uh, I did. Luckily, I did not get to see the New Jersey game. I, yeah. I was extremely busy, and then. I was like, that was the best game of the year for me to miss. Just like the Mission Impossible tape, you could burn that puppy up, never see it again. You write that game off. But yesterday on, uh, I don't think it was national TV, but 3 o'clock on President's Day, the uh, Bulls put on a nice show against a somewhat unmotivated Atlanta Hawk team. But a nice win for the Bulls yesterday. Yeah, they they got out to a huge lead and just kind of put it in cruise control for the whole game and then in the middle of the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, put it back in the third and fourth gear and, and play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice to see that. It was, it was strange as early on how many open looks the Hawks had. I'm like, oh, the Bulls are going to be in for a dogfight. And the next thing I know is 35-17 in the first quarter. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. That first quarter, the, the second half of that first quarter, they, they put on a deluge on, uh, on the Hawks. They just couldn't stop anybody. The Thibodeau, Made it a point. He's like, we're coming out and we're going to jump on this team, unlike what happened with the Nets and Darren Williams two nights earlier. Mm-hmm. By the way, Darren Williams of the Nets is playing out of his mind. Wow. The last couple games, coach. Guy's out of control. We're going to get to his game yesterday, too, where yeah. they beat the New York Knicks. I think that's really a interesting story going on there with Carmelo and Jeremy Lin back. But uh, just to wrap it up on the Chicago Bulls, big win. Derek Rose back in action. And, dog, I don't know how much. You watch the game. I'm, you know, of the few that complain about Derrick Rose at times, you know, the ball comes to him and it just settles and everybody stops, you know, and the, all the Bulls sit around waiting for Derrick Rose to do something. I hope they keep a tape of yesterday's game. I don't know how many points Derrick Rose had, 24, 26, played a good all-around game, but the ball moved. There was very little wait for Derek to do his thing. Maybe someone come up and set a pick for him. He scored within the realm of the offense, and I think if he could play like that all the time, the Bulls will be a much tougher team to beat in big games. Uh, I'm going to have to completely agree with you there, Coach. They uh, uh, And not only when you know they keep moving the ball, you know, I'm not just I, – I agree with you. Derek Rose is that ball for that, Okay. But also, I got to blame the other four guys on the court. When people move and try to create an angle that Derrick Rose can get them the ball, space opens up for everybody. So it's really easy to blame the guy with the ball. But if four guys are standing around looking at him, it's not the guy with the ball's fault all the time. Mm-hmm. So, but if he moved it more, maybe they'd move more. So I'm with you. So there is, all five have to realize that and have to keep on moving. Pretty easy win for the Bulls. Again, my one and only visit to the United Center. Big Doe, we bid on these tickets at a charitable function. And all the sheet said was four center court seats for a Bulls game. So uh-huh. I figure, you know, center court, yeah, you know, center court will be, you know, 50, 60 seats up. So we come in the place and we head down to the first level. Hey, better seats than I thought, right? Right near half court, maybe between half court and free throw line extended on the Atlanta Hawk bench side. And all of a sudden, the uh, usher lady is sending us further down and further down and further down, two seats away from the. We were the second row behind Stacy King in the press box. Wow! It was wow. the closest I've ever sat. You could hear, uh, you know, what Thibodeau was saying. You could hear what uh, who's the coach of uh, Larry, Larry Drew. Drew. Of the Atlanta Hawks, it was very cool. The interchange between the referees and the players, refs and the coaches. If it wasn't for Stacey King's big melon blocking my line of vision, I would have had a great sight of the game too. It was, it was that, you were that close that 
Stacy King's melon was blocking your way. Stacy so King's had the telecast a bunch of times. His head, by the way, that's a large head. Stay, I'm I love Stacy. Love Stacy. See you in the fam on the telecast. <laughs> Say, what's that? I'm surprised I didn't see you and the rest of the family on the telecast. Well, you You're probably, you probably did. You weren't looking close enough. But we, okay. yeah, we were there. We were there, second row. Very, very cool. But uh, yeah, you could see it up close and personal. And I will tell you, Tom Thibodeau did not crack a smile or make any kind of a joke the entire time. Now, Larry Drew was, even though his team's getting pounded, he was kidding around. Danny Crawford, Drew Crawford's dad, was one of the uh, referees, and I think the ex NBA player Leon Wood was one of the refs, but uh, Thibodeau, boy, he, he is all business. I watched him as much as the game. Uh, uh, Leon Wood? Wow, there's just some people I, I would never have thought he would have been a referee. That's that's strange. Coach. Oh, he's been, you remember yeah, him? At, at what, Oregon was it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I remember him in, the, in professional basketball. Yeah, he, he's been, it might not have been him, but I can tell you Leon Wood, the ex-great College player and pretty good NBA player. He's been a long time, long time NBA referee. I had no idea, Coach. Yeah. Yep. These are the kind of vital information you get on the two guys in a mic show. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Have to mention Jeremy Lin's story. It uh, continued to amaze over the weekend. I think it was Friday where he put up a twenty eight and fourteen. To beat the Dallas Mavericks, an amazing game. But I think the interesting story now, this is really, really cool. And I can't remember it happening too many times in sports where Carmelo Anthony, the star, comes back yesterday. And I was commenting to people at the Bulls game yesterday. Nobody was listening to me, but I was commenting anyways, how there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on Carmelo Anthony. You're the superstar. Teams have been, you know, won eight out of nine with you, and they were losing before. You come back now, and the team starts to lose. That's a ton of pressure, and sure enough, big dog, Carmelo took a back seat to Jeremy Lin. Didn't shoot as much, but nevertheless, the Knicks lost with Carmelo back in the lineup. And what are they going to say now? Oh, you need to take charge. That's what we pay you for. So when they lose, it's going to be his fault because he didn't take charge. That was the question I was going to ask you. How would you deal with it as a coach or if you're Carmelo himself? You know, it's awful. It is tough to deal with. Uh, you know, if I'm the, if I'm the coach of that situation, you know, I, yeah, I'm just, just, you have to coach your philosophy. He, he never wanted Carmelo Anthony to be a ball stopper. And, you know, and, and when I ripped on him last year, uh, last week, I'm going to defend Carmelo a tiny bit here because I, I bashed him for the last five or six years. And, and don't forget, it was also throwing the fact that not only have they won eight out of nine games before he came back, the whole Denver thing. Denver is better since they've traded him. New York is worse since yep. they traded for him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him. But So I'm finally going to get into the Carmelo Anthony. Uh, his style of game has always been the ball stopper style, but I don't think he's selfish. See what I'm getting at, coaches? There's, there's guys that have been ball stoppers before that I really truly believe all they cared about was how many points they scored. I, I think Carmelo wants to score a lot of points as he leads the team to victory. So... There, he will. So D'Antonio's position. Now that I'm now that I said all that, it took me a long time to get to it. But now D'Antonio's position is the coach is, hey Carmelo, we just need you to be on the here at the floor here, here in this position. You need to be here. And when you get it and you're open, shoot it. Don't pull, don't worry about holding it. Don't just if you get the ball and you're open, go. Shoot the basket. That's shoot the basketball. That's all they need to know. Pull the trigger. 
you know, there, you shouldn't be shy now. Heck, you know, now the way you should look at it is, oh, okay, so you're guarded, move the ball, and you might get it back. And because you don't have to worry about it now, we don't have four of their chuckers on the floor. We actually have a guy that's trying to distribute and get you an open shot. Mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony can score 25 points a game and take three or four less shots than he used to. But would you agree there's a tremendous amount of pressure? It's a very unique. I can't remember too many instances like this. It's a very unique kind of pressure. But if this team starts to lose again, I mean, the fickle finger is going to be pointing right at Carmelo Ant, even Big Dog, if he's doing all the things you said, working within the offense. And I believe that he will. He's not going to try to take over. But whatever happens, if they start to lose now, it's an unbelievable amount of pressure on, on one Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, it's, you're exactly right. It's going to be his fault no matter what. Yep. If, if, if they don't win. So you're, no, you're exactly right. It's unlike anything in basketball I've ever seen. The only thing that I can equate this to, and I'm trying to think of an example, uh, would be like, a, a, just say a team is, is, has a, a quarterback that they know is good and they pay a lot of money to him. <laughs> like a, maybe like a Jake Plummer or something like that. I'm trying to think of a, an example where this has happened. And then all of a sudden the guy gets hurt. And they were like one and three when he got hurt. And you put the backup in that nobody heard about, and you're like, oh, we're going to get killed. And all of a sudden, the backup wins like three games in a row, and it's awesome. And then the guy that you know is a good quarterback, that you've paid a bunch of money to, is ready to come back. There's all of a sudden a lot of pressure, because you were playing poorly with him, and all, but you still put the starting quarterback back in. If they lose, you're like, what happened? I know this has happened in the NFL in the last couple of years. I'm trying to think of that example. So what would you do, Coach? Would you bench Carmelo? You're not going to bench Carmelo. We've had this discussion before. I think the quarterback thing's a little bit different than the basketball. But to me, to me, it's a no-brainer. If I'm winning with my backup quarterback and my starter, who is very good, uh, comes back and he's now healthy, I tell my starter, you know, I I talk to him. I say, hey, you're still the guy. You're still going to be the starter. But as long as we're winning, we're hot right now, I'm going to let Jones, keep going. So I, I absolutely keep the hot hand going, and when the hot hand cools off, the starter comes back. That, that's a case-by-case basis, Coach. No, not for me, it's not. So, well, for, for me it would be, because i tell you one thing, if it's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Not. Well, Matt Flynn, you just threw him for 500 yards. Well, guess what? I, well, I'm, Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback. Not if okay. Matt Flynn has won three games in a row, and I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, but if Matt Flynn's won three games in a row, Playing well, Packer offense is moving. Matt, you're starting the ball game. That's me. Yeah, but we're going to differ greatly on that one. Coach. Okay. All right. Well, we uh, haven't been differing enough lately, Big Dog. It's you know, because there's a couple quarterbacks that don't lose their job due to injury, and then I, I, I name them. Those guys should get their jobs back at any point if they had ever got hurt. Nobody's safe. It's up to me. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog and a coach with you and the two guys and a mic show right up until eleven o'clock. I love this little basketball story, by the way. <laughs> and I don't even know if I have all the details of it, but apparently at a North Carolina state game, oh, uh, yeah. Chris Cortiani, one of their great ex guards, and Tom Gugliato, one of their great ex forwards, are watching the game behind the bench. And, again, I don't have all the details, but they're ragging on the ref. They're yelling at the ref or whatever. Bad enough where the referee throws them or ejects them from the stadium. And the beautiful part about it, and, again, Big Dog helped fill in the holes here, is apparently the next day they were on the court being honored as uh, two of North Carolina State's great players in some presentation. Yeah, they were. They were yeah, that, I didn't hear about that. And I really don't know enough about the story, but I did 
there's so much that goes on on the weekend. They, I, they gave like five seconds to any of They're like, oh, by the way, Tom Gugliotta is. Who else? Uh, Chris Corciani. Remember him, the guard? Yes. Yeah, the, we're escorted. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And that's all I heard. They it get, was pretty but, funny because when they were getting pulled off of the court, Gugliotta <laughs> turned to the court for the puppet in his fist. I was like, let's go see. <laughs> so he was still cheering for the team. And, and then they you, were pulling him off the court. But you were not aware that the next day? During the game, they were there was a presentation for them and their teams. No, that that's what that's, you're here for. Coach. That that's makes it that makes it even more beautiful. You're kicked off the court, David. Did you hear anything more on that one or no? I love that concept though. I love that. All right, other college basketball. There was no major games over the weekend. Big Doug certainly no major upsets. I know we got a couple of big Big Ten games today: Illinois and Ohio State. My Northwestern Wildcat taking on Michigan, but somewhat of a quiet weekend in the world of collegiate hoop. Oh, yeah, extremely quiet. I had the Illinois game on. It wasn't quiet where I was at because I, I learned that I know some swear words I never knew I knew. Watching Illinois and Nebraska on Saturday, Coach. What did you What did you never knew you knew? Well, I can't say those swear words on there. I, was, I didn't know I even knew those swear words <laughs> that were coming out of my mouth when Illinois oh, was. Oh, man. So uh, you were, you were actually watching that game? Nebraska. Coach, I was watching it on my phone. Oh, I'm at, I, I just got a bunch of stuff done I needed to do on Saturday. I'm waiting to meet Lily Lilac out, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch the game on my phone. I almost broke my phone on accident. I almost like, picked it up and threw it. I'm like, oh, that's my phone. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, kidding. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I, I definitely was not going to watch that game. But when somebody via their phone checked the score and told me 80 to 53, I said, well, thank goodness. After that, you know, disastrous game, Illinois came back. They made a statement. Maybe they can turn it around here. And when the guy told me, no, no, Nebraska won 80-53, I was just dumbfounded. I, hey, Coach, it was unreal. And it started immediately. It wasn't like, oh, Illinois was playing tough. They had a tough break, and they went on a run. It was like, like I was watching, and I was like, I got I to gotta stop watching. But I can't because I'm one of those persons. I don't give up. They can come back, they can come back, and eventually, with about 10 minutes to go, I eventually quit watching it, Coach. I couldn't take it anymore. Wow. And apparently the players were all in tears afterwards, kind of breaking up. Maybe, Big Dog, you know, the old story, before you can finally, uh, you know, bounce back up, you have to hit rock bottom. The farther you fall, the higher you bounce. I'm trying to be the ultimate optimist here. Maybe. Maybe they come out, knock off Ohio State, and turn their season around. It could happen. Uh, this, this girl that... Uh, on Facebook, I know she, lady, she put on this, a great quote that said, I finally have a great foundation for life. I've hit rock bottom. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's, that's solid. <laughs> what, was she relating it to Illinois' situation? I don't know what she was related to. That's all, that's all it, that's all it said. I, I didn't know whether I should like the quote or not. No, I like that. I like that. I finally have a great foundation for life because I've hit rock bottom. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I like that. By the way, one other uh, little basketball note that did not get a lot of mention. Maybe you were watching the uh, ESPN highlights more than me over the weekend, Big Dog, but I believe it was St. John's. The fighting, they're not the Red Men anymore, are they? St. John's, what are they? The, the Storm or the Red Storm, maybe? Oh, there you go. That Thank is- you. The Red Storm women's team knocked off Connecticut at Connecticut, and that wow. broke a 99 99- game home winning streak they were one win from a hundred they hadn't lost at home big dog since 2007 back when you had hair and st john's i shaved it back up 
Thank you. St. John's knocked them off over the weekend. I thought uh, didn't get enough play, but you got to give credit to the Red Storm and Connecticut. Uh, 99 wins in a row. They didn't make 100. Wow. You know what? I, that's too bad. How often do you get a chance to get any type of triple-digit winning streak of any kind? Yep. That's one that those those ladies this morning are going to be like, they're going to no matter what happens, even if they played a perfect game and somehow the Red Storm won, they're still going to feel disgusted about that. Mm-hmm. It's a rare, rare opportunity. All right, big dog and a coach here. Speaking of rare opportunities, one hour a day, that's all they give us. Five days a week, an hour a day, five in total. By the way, dog, we got contacted by um, a group out in Los Angeles that are also calling themselves two guys at a mic. Uh-huh. And I believe they want us to do some kind of an interview. They're, they're going to try to get, like, there must be some other two guys in a mics out there. They're going to try to get all the two guys in a mics together. Either that or it's some secret way of getting them all together for a lawsuit. We're going to probably have some lawsuit on our hands. But uh, there was a California twosome known as two guys in a mic. I went on their website, and it's uh, woo, It's a bit spicy. It's a little bit off color. It's a lot bit off color. But um, So we might be doing an interview on another two guys in a mic show if you're up for it. So that'd be cool. I, I guess I should be in studio for that one. No. No. So. No, I think they're going to do it via the cell phone. No reason at all to be in studio. I I might be in studio. Well, I think their show's on at 10 o'clock at night, so you're welcome to come to the studio when they call us at 10 o'clock at night, but there'll be nobody here. I see. I got you. Oh, goodness. Hey, real quick, dog, I'm with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. I'm ashamed to say... But I watched my first Blackhawk game, not in Toto, but maybe the third period. I just haven't had time for hockey, but I watched the game against St. Louis Blues. They've turned it around a nice way, three in a row for the Hawks. Yeah, it's, they got a goaltending win, too. Supposedly uh, Crawford played awesome yesterday. Uh, I didn't get to over on, on Sunday. I did not watch the game on Sunday. I was extremely busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's good. They, they have not had good goaltending lately, so I guess they got a win where he was just incredible. And so maybe you get your goaltender a little bit hot right now because they have not had any good streaks at all by a goaltender this season. So if one's going to get hot, Coach, I would say late February would be a good time of year to do that. All right. They were chasing the uh, Blues one to nothing in the third period, so a little comeback victory goal. Number three in the 3-1 to one victory was a uh, open netter, but they scored a couple of big goals, including the guy we talked about, Duncan Keith. Maybe this gets him off the schneid, big dog, but he had a real nice goal. Uh, maybe with about eight minutes left, I think to tie it up or to give us the lead. But if you can get Duncan Keith going, a couple of those other guys, the Hawks can turn it around, and that nine-game losing streak can be a distant memory, maybe in a month, month and a half. Yeah, everybody on their defense needs to play a little bit better. Jalmerson needs to start showing up for stuff. So yeah, they they do need. And you know, they're out of the playoffs right now. They would not even be in the playoffs. It's shocking. Wait, you said they're out of the playoffs now? Yeah. No. They're the ninth seed right now, aren't they? No. I don't think even in their nine-game losing streak they ever dropped out of the top eight. I thought they dropped to the ninth seed. Okay, well, that's that's, that's okay. Yeah. Well, well, either way, they're still battling for it, Coach. They're mm-hmm. not solidified in playoff situation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All right, long way to go still, though, long way to go. But it was fun to watch some hockey. And, again, I've said it before, I don't. It's not lack of interest. It's not that I don't like the sport that I'm not following hockey. It's just, to be honest with you, lack of time. But uh, when I get a chance to watch it, it's still one of the greatest 
sports you can. And, and my eyes are as bad as anybody, Big Dog. You can attest to that. And I have no problem following the puck on TV. I know hear people say that. Hey, of course it's better lot. But I think it's a great TV game, too. Very few timeouts, constant action up and down the court or the ice. I'm, I'm with you. I can watch, uh, I can watch uh, uh, hockey on television, yeah. no problem. And your eyes aren't so good either. Uh, they're horrible. How are your my, ears? My, my ears are good. I hear a lot of people speaking. Okay. So you got hair loss, you got eye loss, but the ears are good. I got back pain. I got a lot of good things going for me, though, so it's all right. Do you have the weakness woes and you can't touch your toes? I can touch the toes, but when I touch the toes, I can't stand straight back up. That's, <laughs> I'm extremely flexible. I just get stuck in those positions. <laughs> All right, big dog. Uh, our email listeners, you know, we basically yada 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 on a Monday, or in this case, a Tuesday after a weekend, and again, a happy President's Day to everybody out there. But most important, coming back from a sports weekend, our email listeners want to know what did the big dog do over the weekend? I always, only half kiddingly, mention I checked the crime report and the obituaries first. When I don't see your name, I figure all is good after a weekend. But any interesting activities off the playing field? Uh, coach, I got, I got some, a bunch of stuff filmed, and uh, what else did I do? I hung out with a uh, little lilac, and I'm, and I just want to remind everybody that things that the doomsday prophecies of 2012 said the world's going to end. It, another thing came out: the world ain't ending on on December 21st, so you don't have to worry about stocking or like, saving up on your canned food. So don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, I, I, I did more. I did more investing. Coach, I did more investigation than that. That's basically what I spent the whole week on is trying to find the link between man prior to the 5,200 years ago. <laughs> so I really don't, I didn't really have an exciting weekend for most other people, but for me, yeah. All right. And the uh, Lily the Lilac relationship now, we hit the quarter year mark. Are we over three months? Oh, definitely over three months. So we, we started dating on November 11th of wow. 2011. How romantic 11, for you, you. Very romantic that you remember the date. Well, it's pretty easy. It's one, 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 one. Oh, that's and, even uh, So yeah, that's uh, that's about three months now, isn't it, Coach? Wait, one, 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 one. Yeah. December, Jan. Oh yeah, okay. So you're right about the quarterly quarter mark. Yeah. Very nice. I've known her much longer than that, but it's like been official since that day. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. Well, I'm proud of you, big dog. Proud of you. Let's hope uh, in another three months we can talk about a half a year. We will be, Coach. I, trust me, we shall. And and Lily I, I still is she's she's still a fan of the two guys in a mic show. I hope. Uh, big fan of she, she likes you, big time. A lot more she likes me. But, uh, <laughs> Excellent. Yes, David. Uh, uh, quick note that just came down Uh-oh. the wire: uh, the Red Sox have received pit, relief pitcher Chris Carpenter from the Cubs has compensation for Theo Epstein. Excellent. Who's, who's Chris Carpenter? That's the guy they got from the Cleveland Indians, I do believe, in the Mark DeRosa trade. Is that correct? Him with Jeremy Stevens. Okay. Who's the star? Know, maybe not. Who's the star pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals? Isn't that Chris, Chris Carpenter? Carpenter? Huh? Yeah. Chris Carpenter. Oh, okay. So it was the deal that good that the the Cubs get Theo Epstein and then the Cardinals have to send Chris Carpenter over <laughs> to the Red Sox? That would really be a good deal. Wow. For <laughs> Thank you, Bud Selig. Let's make another trade. What else, David? That it? That's it, and then there's going to be another player exchange as part of okay. the deal, but that's still being worked out. So I think most Cub fans probably relieved because there was there was projections of maybe 
some bigger names, like minor league outfielder Brett Jackson, who could be yes, the star of the future. Yes, there's, yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a sigh of relief going across Twitter and the Chicago media. Excellent. Excellent. Big dog, what did we talked about our starting pitching real quick in about a minute here? Maybe less. I have no idea what the Chicago Cub outfield might look like. Can you help me out here? Well, uh, Marlon Bird and Alfonso Soriano and uh, David DeJesus, you would think, would be penciled in as starters. But there's going to be opportunities for young kids to actually get a shot. Hmm. Uh, Tony Campagna is going to be the fifth outfielder. I like him as the fifth. And he's going to steal 50 bases this year and about 200 plate appearances. I'm not kidding. And the key sounds... Semi ridiculous, but the key was what you said is not the fourth, but the fifth outfitter. And Cub fans, this is the uh, very uh, minute, small, but very exciting, very fast Tony Campana, who at times thrilled us last year with some base running maneuvers. I, I can I can just see like eighth inning, somebody gets a base hit, Alfonso Soriano gets a base hit, and he won't walk. Tony Campana pins runs from steals second, scores from second on a single, mm-hmm. goes out and plays defense in the left field in the ninth inning. Cubs get a victory. I'm That's surprised. Surprised you're so confident that Alfonso Soriano will be starting. I would have thought new manager, new management that uh, Alfonso could be the fifth outfielder. You know, there's a, there's a possibility for that, coach. Don't think because there's if Brett Jackson makes the team, if uh, there's there's possibilities. There could be another move or something. Too. Uh, he could be platooning. Like Alfonso Soriano might only start if there's a left-handed pitcher, maybe. Like him and David Hayes play left field, and mm-hmm. I, there's, uh, there's a bunch of different options that they're going to have out in the outfield, right. but I think they're going to go with Soriano at the beginning of the season. Yeah, we will investigate those options over the next five or six weeks until it all starts. Big Dome, we got to wrap it up today. Great to talk a little Cub baseball, and great to talk uh, the weekend that was with you. We'll do some more tomorrow with your permission. Yes, you have our permission, all of our permission, Coach. Beautiful. All right, have a great one, Big Dome. Thanks for listening, everybody out there. Two guys at a MikeTalkZone.com. Back at you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late. Have an outstanding day, everybody.